Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So a few things that are going on in the life of our church I want you to know about. First of all, uh, we are not having a Wednesday night gathering this week because spring break, we're going to take that week off. There'll be no meal, no classes. I do want to announce that two weeks from today, March 26th, we're having a special called business meeting for the purpose of calling, extending a call to a new student minister to be the leader of our student ministry here at First Baptist Tulsa. So that's good news, okay? The committee is unanimous on this person. They will go to the deacons. We anticipate this business meeting to happen on the 26th. Um, and because it's a special call meeting, need to announce that a couple of Sundays in advance. But here's what I'm not going to tell you today. I'm not going to tell you the candidate's name, okay? You'll just have to guess at who it is, all right? I'm just kidding. And it's not me. I don't want to be student minister here, right? <laughs> you don't want me to be the student minister here. It's more like it. So we will share this person's name next week. We've coordinated with the church that they're currently serving. He's going to share with his home church next week that he's potentially going to be making a move. We'll announce it at the same time. And so next week, we'll give you a lot more information about this candidate as they prepare to come in on the 26th, and we have a special called business meeting. Also on the 26th, our Serve Somewhere event. This is a walkthrough of all the ministries in our church. Listen, if you're not serving somewhere Use your gifts to benefit this church, this community, to serve others. It's, it's how we grow spiritually, and there'll be the opportunities to learn about all those uh, serving opportunities on that Sunday morning. And then you saw the new folks who've recently united with our church. Most of them came in through the pastor's coffee, and the next one will be April 2nd. Spend some time with me. We'll get to know one another and see what God wants to do in your life and where you attend church. So um, when you signed up to follow Jesus you were given a vocation. Now, that's not a word that we often use, but it's a good word. Vocation is, comes from the Latin word vocare. It means a calling. When you decided to follow Jesus, you were given a calling. And, and we often use the word vocation in terms of uh, vocational school or vocational training. I like the idea that when we came to Jesus, we were given a trade. And the trade was to become his disciple, to figure out how to follow Jesus everywhere in front of everyone all the time. So it doesn't matter if you're considering marriage. It doesn't matter if you're mourning a spouse. It doesn't matter if you are a CEO of a corporation. Doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're older. Boy, I'm trying not to make eye contact when I say the older thing, but I can't help it, you know. No matter what your life situation or where you are, you are given a vocation, and that is to become a disciple of Jesus. The thing is that most of us have forgotten about that. We just think we punched our ticket to get to heaven when we die, but we are called right now, wherever we are, to be His disciple. So on the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, Harris Pohl interviewed 3,000 Chinese students and 3,000 American students, and they asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they gave them five options. The Chinese students overwhelmingly, what do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut. It's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, right? American students, when they were asked the same question, overwhelmingly they said, an internet influencer, a social media influencer. 
And there's nothing wrong with that within certain parameters, but, but get this, the Chinese students were saying, we want to aspire, and American students saying, we want to impress. There's a difference. And by the way, we can live our whole lives trying to impress others and trying to impress ourselves, and it doesn't mean anything. We are called to aspire. We are called to become disciples of Jesus, to learn how to follow Jesus in every situation. So that's all we're doing as we're getting closer to Easter. You know, we're talking about not being a mediocre Christian, not just punching your ticket to go to heaven when you die, but to figure out how to love Jesus and follow Him right here, right now. That's our vocation. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the way we're doing that is we're just walking through the Gospel of Mark. This is a very different communication style for me. I've never done this before, and I don't know where this is leading. Isn't that good to know? Your pastor said, I don't know where we're going. But I do know that we're just supposed to look at what Jesus says and does, and hey, let's start doing that. Let's follow Him. So what I did last week is we read through all of Mark chapter 9, and I just asked you to listen. Excuse me, we read through Mark chapter 8, and I just asked you to listen. This week, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9. Listen, you can follow along if you want to, but I'm going to be reading out of a very different and a much older translation of Scripture. And so, if what you're reading isn't the same translation which I'm using, which is probably not, um, that could distract you a little bit. So, it might be better for you just to listen today. Just listen if you want to. But if it doesn't distract you and you can take those words and kind of meld them together, you can do that too. But this is Mark chapter 9. Let's just read through this chapter together. Let's see what Jesus says. Let's see what He does. And let's, let's do what He says. So this is what uh, happens in Mark chapter 9. By the way, Jesus had just explained for the first time that He will suffer and die. And He said this to them, I tell you that some of you here will not taste death before you see the reign of God or the kingdom of God come in its power. What is Jesus referring to there? Is He talking about His imminent crucifixion? Yes. Is He talking about His resurrection? Yes. Is He talking about what's about to happen right here? Yes. Here are some disciples that they are about to get a glimpse of the kingdom of God. And when we focus on the word kingdom, you just see the word king in it. They're going to get a glimpse of who the king really is. And so six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain. Let me stop here for just a moment. James and John always intrigue me. They're brothers. James was the first disciple to die for his faith. He died young. John was the oldest living disciple. He would write the book of Revelation before he died, nearly at the end of the first century. So here are these two brothers. They lived very different lives. One died young. One lived to be old. I don't know what God has in store for any of us here in this room, but with the time we are given, we are called, we have a vocation to be disciples of Jesus Christ, be our life long or short. So Peter, James, and John, they went up to a high mountain off by themselves, and his appearance underwent a change in their presence. Something happened. They saw Jesus for who He really was. His clothes shone whiter than any earthly bleach could have made them. Now, just for a moment, this is another Exodus picture. As we talked about the feeding of the 4,000 being like the, the quail and the manna in the wilderness. This is another Exodus picture because Moses would go up to the mountain, he would receive the law. When he would come down, his appearance would be transformed, and he would be embarrassed by that. He would cover it up. He would shield himself from being seen. 
So here the disciples go up to the mountain with Jesus. He is transformed, but he doesn't try to hide it. This is a message that there's a new deliverer in town. There's a new savior in town. God is doing something brand new, and he's doing it in Jesus. And just to drive that home, Elijah appeared with him accompanied by Moses. The law and the prophets all pointed to Jesus. Get this, all of history led up to Jesus' coming. And I believe that God will also work our individual histories. He will work your story in order for you to meet him. That's where God wants to lead you. So, Master, said Peter, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three huts, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. And it says this, for Peter did not know what to say. They were frightened. How many of you didn't know what to say, and so you just started jabbering? Have you ever been in that situation before? Okay, we all have. Let's not be too difficult on Peter because we've all done this at one time or another. As a communicator, I am forever sticking my foot in my mouth. If it were Olympic sport, I would be in the silver or the gold medal contention for that. One of the times I remember most when I first moved to Montgomery, Alabama. On a Sunday night, I was preaching. And I use a story about Abraham Lincoln, where Abraham Lincoln is the hero. I just didn't read the room. Abraham Lincoln is still not a hero in Alabama. Can I put it that way? He's just not, tragically, right? But I talk about Abraham Lincoln being a hero. I could tell the, the crowd wasn't with me. But I also talked about his wife, Mary Lincoln, just being as crazy as a loon, right? She was just, she was unstable. She made his life difficult. Well, after the message, a very dignified Southern gentleman came up to me. His name is Dr. Todd, retired professor. Everything you picture as the quintessential Southern gentleman, he was it. And so Dr. Todd came up to me, and he said, do you happen to know Mary Lincoln's full name, including her maiden name? I said, well, yes, I do. It's Mary Todd Lincoln. And he said, and what is my name? I said, your name is Dr. Todd. Oh, crud. <laughs> he was a descendant of Mary Lincoln, right? Part of her family. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, she was crazy as a loon and walked away. <laughs> you know what? I love it when I stick my foot in my mouth and instead of somebody complaining, they're, they're just gracious. Isn't that nice when that happens? What, hey, by the way, why don't we just do that for one another? Why don't we just be a little bit more gracious when we stick our foot in our mouth? Because we all do. So Jesus is gracious to Peter. He just ignores him altogether. He, Peter just annoys him, so he's just talking. He's just filling up the, the world with words. And Jesus doesn't even reply to him, but God interrupts him <clears throat> from heaven. This is my son, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. There, there's a lot packed here into this verse. So many different directions I want to go. But the idea of Jesus being God's son is Jesus is the spitting image of God. If you want to know who God is, please don't look at Christians. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't represent him well. But if you want to see who God really is, look at Jesus. And just to back this up, Colossians 1 says this, the son is the image of the invisible God. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. What God is saying is, hey guys, look at Jesus. Look at Him. 
By the way, we need this. We need this reminder in our world. Just look at him. And when you look at him, you'll see me. And this Jesus, my son, he is my beloved. There's a relationship that Jesus has with God the Father that nobody else has. But here's the deal. Who Jesus is by nature, we can be by grace. Who, who Jesus is by nature, God's Son in that intimate relationship, we can be by grace. We can be that beloved. And then here's the, the keynote of this whole morning. Listen to Him. Can I just drive that verse home? And we're going to sit on that this morning. Whatever Jesus says, if we want to be His disciples, if we want to everywhere, in front of everyone, all the time, to follow Jesus, we must keep an ear leaning into Him at all times. So for the rest of the chapter, let's just listen to Him. Just see what He has to say, whatever He has to say. It doesn't even have to tie together for the sake of this message. Let's just listen to what He says. Now, before we do that, there seems to be an interlude. There seems to be an interruption. Um, by the way, Jesus told them, don't tell anyone about this until the Son of Man rises from the dead. And they did not forget what He said, but they discussed with one another what rising from the dead meant. They didn't quite understand what was happening. And then there's an interlude that begins in verse 11. Why do the scribes say that Elijah has to come first? He said to them. He said to them, Elijah does come first and reforms everything. And does not the Scripture say that the Son of Man, that he will suffer much and be refused? Why, I tell you, not only has Elijah come, but people have treated him just as they pleased, as the Scripture says about him. So, there was a prophecy that Elijah would come before the day of the Messiah. And people interpreted that very literally, that, that Elijah, the Old Testament, who was taken up to heaven, he would come back before Jesus the Messiah. Well, that didn't happen literally, but in the spirit of Elijah came John the Baptist, and people didn't recognize it. There's a whole lot more here than what we have time to cover, but the point is this, that God could be acting right under your nose and you not see it. That God can be doing something right in front of you and you miss it. That Jesus could be speaking to you right now and you're deaf. Listen to Him. I have no idea what you walked in here with this morning. And you have no idea what I'm about to talk about as we listen to Jesus. But I have this overwhelming sense that Jesus wants to say something to you. Don't let it happen right under your nose and you miss it. Listen, okay? So, this is verse 14. When they came to the disciples, this is Jesus, James, and John, and Peter. They saw a great crowd around them and some scribes arguing. And all the people were amazed when they saw him, and they ran up and they greeted him and asked, uh, and they asked him, uh, and excuse me, and he asked them, what were you discussing? One of the crowd answered, Master, I brought my son to you. He's possessed by a dumb spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He is wasting away. I told your disciples, or I asked them to drive out the demon, but they could not. He answered them and said, Oh, you unbelieving people. Again, Jesus is a little bit exasperated. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Have you ever wanted to say that to some people? How long must I put up with you? He brought the boy to, to him. As soon as the Spirit saw him, 
The boy convulsed. He fell down on the ground, rolled around, foamed at the mouth. Reminds me of getting my preschoolers dressed in the morning before school. It's not funny, but it kind of is. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Now, if it's okay, I'm going to pause and go over this next passage of Scripture. We're going to skip it. Because here in a few weeks, when we get into the Beatles series, by the way, have you heard we're doing the gospel according to the Beatles after Easter? I think that'll be a lot of fun. And nobody responded and did anything. They just sat there. Yeah. Hey, y'all, we get to do the gospel according to the Beatles again, all right? Okay. I'm inviting you, just, just be the word of mouth on this. We're going to have some cards you can hand out and the songs we're going to cover and, and all of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. What do the Beatles and the Bible have in common? Some great themes. And one of the themes, one of the songs is help. It's exactly what the parent prays right here. In fact, and I know I said I wasn't going to go over it. I guess I am. This is one of the best prayers in all of the Bible. I believe, help my unbelief. This is a reminder, we feel like that we've got to buoy all of our faith up before we go to God, and we, and we do need to conjure our faith, but we need to remember that faith and doubt are a tension that we'll always have in life, but we trust in God enough to even bring Him our doubts and pray through those. So Jesus heals the boy, and we'll come to this in a couple of weeks, and they all go away, and everybody's happy, and the disciples come to Jesus and say, why couldn't we drive it out? Listen to him. Listen to him. Verse 29, this kind of thing can only be driven out by prayer. Listen, the next time you're puzzled, you tend to do everything to try to understand, to try to figure it out. What if, what if the first thing you do is just pray? The next time you face a problem, instead of trying to fix it, why don't, why don't you pray? The next time you deal with pain, why don't the first thing you do, why don't you try pain? What, is, what does C.S. Lewis say? He said, God, God whispers to us through our pleasures. He speaks through our conscience, but he shouts through pain. The next time you're puzzled or you have problems or you're in pain, why not the first thing you do, why don't you take that to God in prayer instead of trying to fix it yourself? So back in the 17th century, Antonio Stradivarius, he made probably the best violins. No, they were the best violins, the best instruments in the world. Somebody, somebody have a violin? Yeah. This is not a Stradivarius. Because if it were, you wouldn't give it to me. <laughs> They're worth million. Now, I have no, I, no doubt that this is, a, uh, this is a fine entrance. Oh, Amazon. Okay, very nice. <laughs> this is a fine instrument, right? But imagine a Stradivarius. By the way, there's about 650 Stradivariuses still in existence today. They each have names. One is called the Marsic. One is called the Messiah. They are worth millions of dollars apiece. And no matter how many ways that luthiers try to recreate the sound of the Stradivarius, they can't. And here's why they believe that is. That Antonio Stradivarius, when he harvested the pine, the aspen used for the violin, it came out of a particular forest in Europe that had just undergone what was called the Little Ice Age. Excuse me, it was spruce. It's the Little Ice Age. 
meaning that the times were so cold and so harsh that the wood didn't really have much room to grow, that every year that ring would be really tight and dense. It could barely just eke out of living, and it made very dense wood that was made into the violin. Do you see that out of the struggle came sweet music? It's only when the wood went through a lot of stress that it could produce that kind of sound. There's something happens to our souls when we're puzzled, when we have pain, when we have problems, that the sweetness of our prayer life changes. I don't know what you're facing today, but this kind of thing can only be fixed by prayer. I think I should give this back. There you go. Listen to him. Now it goes on from there. They left that place and they made their way, this is verse 30, through Galilee. He did not wish anyone to know it. Isn't it interesting how Jesus at times wanted to, to withdraw? I think he was an introvert at heart. He's teaching his disciples, the Son of Man, this is the second time he told them, the Son of Man is to be handed over to man. They will kill him three days later. He will rise again. But they didn't understand. So now in verse 33, they reached Capernaum. When he had got home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road, on the way? They had no answer. For on the way, they had been discussing with one another which of them was the greatest. So I'm sorry to give you a lot of travel stories, but I just traveled, and so when I have the stories, I'm going to use them. Is that okay? I'm going to use them anyway. All right. So it was so interesting when we flew back. We were flying over the Pacific a few days ago. I'd never had this happen before. I was sitting on a plane, and there were two commercial pilots sitting with me. They were backup pilots stationed in Hawaii in case they were needed. They weren't. They were flying back to the mainland, but one had been an airline pilot for 20 years, the other for 30 years, so I struck up a conversation. By the way, the plane home ride was really turbulent. When we got back over land, I turned to these experienced pilots, and I said, on a scale from 1 to 10, how, how rough was that flight? They said, yeah, it was about a 7. And I said, really? I said, I kept looking at you all night. If you weren't worried, then I wasn't worried. They said, we know how to hide it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now that we're over land, I'm not as worried about it. But I also, as, as I struck up this conversation, I had my, one point, I had my noise-canceling headphones on, you know, it was night, wanted to sleep, but they were having a conversation about all the knucklehead things pilots do. And so, I hate to say this, but I kind of eavesdropped in on their conversation. Is that okay? It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Isn't that what the old song says? That is terrible theology, by the way. And so I'm listening to them swap stories, so I pretend to be adjusting my noise-canceling headphones, but I really have just taken the earpiece off so I could eavesdrop in. And they told one story. It frightened me. They said on one flight, international flight, two pilots had a physical altercation in the cockpit. They were fighting with one another. This is not what you want to hear when you're 37,000 feet in the air. They had lost perspective. They were battling with one another when their common goal should have been to take care of the 350 souls on that plane. So here Jesus comes to deliver the world from sin, and the disciples are fighting with each other in the cockpit about who's going to be the most important. Talk about missing perspective. Talk about missing the point. Listen, we live in a day of celebrity. Could Jesus be calling us to something else? Listen to him. They were talking about which one should be greatest, and he sat down and he called the 12 in, said, come on, come on, boys, let's get together here. 
If anyone wishes to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. It's not about being a celebrity. It's about serving. Talk about something that's countercultural. By the way, I always pause here and say we, we live in a time now where pastors become celebrities. I am not a celebrity. I mean, look at this. Could this be a celebrity? No. Pastors are called to be servants. Okay? We are called to be servants. If anyone wishes to be first, you must be last and servant of all. Listen to him. And then Jesus contrasts two very different kind of people. He took a child. Wouldn't you love to have been that child? He took him at the offering time when they came down to give their offering. He stood them among them, put his arms around the child. Whoever welcomes one child like this on my account is welcoming me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes not only me, but the one who sent me. Then John pipes up, well, Master, forget about this kid. We saw a man driving out demons in your name, and, and we told him not to do so, for he's not one of us. Jesus said, do not tell him not to do so. For there is no one who will use my name to do a mighty act than afterwards to abuse me. For the person who is not against us is for us. In fact, whoever gives a cup of cold water to drink to anyone on the grounds of belonging to Christ will certainly not be failed to be repaid. So Jesus contrasts two very different kind of people. He has a child over here, and he has somebody who's really kind of an upfront big person over here, and he says this. He says, serve everyone. The people that others are tempted to ignore, serve them. And the people who seem to be out accomplishing you and doing things better and doing things different, instead of seeing them as your competitors, would you see them as companions on the journey and serve them as well? In other words, instead of judging people high or low, serve people. Let me say that again. Instead of judging people that are lower than you or judging people that are higher than you, serve them. Listen to him. Can you take one more travel story? Come on, let me just use one more. So I was in the Honolulu airport getting ready to board our flight to come back. And there was the normal announcement that if you leave unattended baggage, we'll confiscate it, we'll tase you, we'll do all these things. You know, all those normal messages you hear in the airport. But there was one announcement that repeated every five minutes or so. As you come into the airport, welcome to Honolulu International Airport. Please be attentive. Please be aware. And it said this. And please, as you come into the airport today, be humble. Never heard that on an airport announcement before. But man, I want to hear G.T. Bynum say that at Tulsa International Airport a little bit more often, right? As you come into the airport... Be humble. Everyone is trying to get somewhere. So would you just be kind, be thoughtful. You know what, I wonder if that's what Jesus is saying to us today. In fact, I know he is. That as you travel through life, we're gonna bump into other people. Some are gonna, we're gonna be tempted to ignore. Some we're gonna see as competitors. You know what, when we move through life, why don't we just move through life as we travel here and be humble? Whoever wants to be first must be last. And servant of all, I pray that this week, that you'll bump into somebody. And instead of ignoring them, instead of criticizing them, that you would serve him in Jesus' name. I want to make one more stop. We're still listening to him. I'm going to skip down here to verse 43. Jesus talks about sin. 
If your hand makes you fall, cut it off. Listen to him. You might be better to enter into life maimed than to go with both your hands into the pit, into the fire that cannot be put out. If your foot causes you to fall, cut it off. You might be better to enter into life crippled than to be thrown in with both of your feet into the pit. And if your eye makes you fall, tear it out. You'd be better to get into the kingdom of God with one eye than to be thrown with both eyes into the pit where the worm never dies and the fire is never put out. Now, Jesus is not speaking literally here about cutting off hands and feet and plucking out eyes. But he is talking very pointedly here. He's using a bit of hyperbole. What, what do our hands do? Those are our actions. What do our feet do? That gives us direction. What do our eyes do? It, it's our desires. Listen to him. Jesus says, you must deal with sin in your life radically. You can't negotiate with it. Can't try to coax it away. It's not going to be in steps. You must take radical steps in keeping your life holy before God. Listen to Him. And I don't know what that is for you today. I know for most men, it has to do with sexual sin. For most women, it has to do with emotional sin like bitterness and anger. You can't negotiate with sin. you got to cut it off. You've got to take some drastic steps. And nobody illustrated this better, unfortunately, than Aaron Ralston. A dozen years ago, he was in a Utah desert, climbing by himself. A rock shifted, trapped his hand under a boulder. He did not have his cell phone with him. Nobody knew where he was. And when his two burritos and one liter of water was exhausted, he faced a choice. Whether to save his hand or lose his life, or lose his hand and save his life. He chose the, opposite, the option of losing his hand. I cannot imagine, and I won't go into any more detail than that right there, but that's a picture of taking radical steps in order to be alive in Christ. Listen to him. So let's pull it all together. You've been given a vocation. By the way, I love the vocational idea in terms of, say, say, plumbers or electricians. You know, you start out as an apprentice, and then you might become a journeyman as you get more experience, and then, and then you become a master craftsman, right? So I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but we never stop being disciples. We never stop being beginners. We never stop making progress. And Jesus says, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me because God's a big deal. Pray. I want you to listen to me. Other people are important. Serve them. I want you to listen to me. I love you. And I want you to deal with the sin in your life that only you can decide to cut off. These are the things that are a big deal. Listen to him. Let's stand together and let's talk to him. Jesus, I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we are far from perfect. <laughs> we still don't talk to you like we should. We still don't serve other people like we've been commanded, and we don't deal with our own sin like we need to. So maybe today we start again. We start again by realizing and remembering our vocation, our trade, is to be your disciples, to learn how to follow you in any circumstance. So would you deliver us from mediocrity? 
because mediocrity is just us getting where we want you to take us. That's heaven. But being a committed follower of Christ means that we will let you take us, come what may, and we'll belong completely to you. So deliver us from mediocrity. Teach us how to be your disciples. And today, since we're not perfect, and we won't be probably by the end of the day, would you help us just to make a little bit of progress? This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you've listened to Jesus this morning. I, I, I can't make it any clearer than what I have. What's, what's he dealing with with you? We're going to worship and we're going to respond here for just a few moments. Singing together gives us the opportunity to pray together. And today, if you need to make a decision, like Kevin up here on the screen a minute ago, he came after a service three weeks ago and said, I need to follow Jesus today, right now. We have everything you need today to follow Jesus, to follow him in baptism right now, today. That's a radical step. But Jesus calls us to take risk on his behalf. Maybe you need a church home. I'd be privileged to be your pastor and to serve you. You can come in the follow-up room as well. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you today. If that's the case, while we worship here in the next few minutes, you can slip out the back into our follow-up room, which is right across this corridor. I'm going there right now with some of our follow-up team members. If you need to make a decision, let's not hesitate. Let's move. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.